Did you guys do our San Diego game last year? Joe, I can't remember where I worked last week. They're going to go for it here on fourth and one. A lot of words, a lot of words. No snap, no play, nothing, right? Hard count for him off sides. Hello. <laughs> you are listening to the Hard Count Podcast this weekend. We've got a stripe theme. Lawrence Horash in a delightful sort of linen sort of stripe number. Melody Nyanchki. Just breaking the mould in a sort of hipster, sailor-themed, nautical, delightful T-shirt. She's got her glasses on. She's ready to go. Jacob's at home. He's listening. He's tuning in. And I am breaking the mould in checks. We are here to talk about NFL. (laughs) It was a reasonably ordinary weekend of football. Not the greatest in the world, but there was plenty of storylines that are worth talking about. Yeah, there was a little backward step from some of the uh, dramatic glory that we had in week 9 and 10, but a a new one kicking off our headlines this week that I know Mel can't wait to dive into. How about them kickers? They wonder why they are the, uh, you know, the subset of basically species in the NFL. Well, they're not doing themselves any favours by missing these kicks. No, they're not. And those 12 missed extra points, of course, broke the record of 10 that had stood for 46 years. Um, it's a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, it is, That's isn't just it? Just about yeah. as old as Adam Vinatieri. Of course, this isn't anything that's too much of a surprise or by accident. Until last year, PATs came from a distance of 17 yards. Um, but last year, they started spotting the ball at the 15-yard line, making it a 30, 30-odd-yard 30 yeah. kick. Um, a little bit more difficult. And they did that specifically to make it tougher because they thought the people weren't really paying attention to yeah. those. They were too easy. And lo and behold, it has made it tougher and it has made you know, asking a lot of questions. It's made it less automatic, but I think they were hoping that maybe it might encourage some more two-point attempts, yep. um, which the Pittsburgh Steelers have it picked has. up and run with, but not Washington across the did league. It too, yeah, it's it's credit for like one or two or three teams, yeah. but really, I think if they would actually moved, if they had said, okay, it's from this yardage line, we're pushing it back for a kick, but for a two-point attempt, we're going to move it forward to the one-yard line. I think that would have got you a better result. I think that really would have encouraged teams to go for it more often. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're getting kickers deciding more games. Is that really what we want? No. Is it also maybe a bit tough on the kickers? Like, it, yeah, maybe it was Hang easy on. before, but... but <laughs> I'm going to go all Australian sports fans. Yes, good, do it. 32 or 33 yards, 30 yards, from right in front. You can't tell me that any rugby league or no. a rugby union kicker, no. even in the lower 25 percentile of the entire competition, would miss that on a regular However, basis. However, do they have 300-pound guys charging at them? Yes, they well, do. But they've also got a line of 300-pound guys protecting them as well. That's, that's very true. <laughs> Look, I've hammered this point over and over again. When Dan Carter is done, you know, coaching about Europe oh. in the French League, whatever Johnny Wilkinson's up to these What's days. What's Hazem Masri doing? Exactly. I would, I would be putting my hand Darryl up. Daryl Halligan. Like, straight in front, this is not a task for these guys. Smaller ball as well, so it's going to fly longer. So, I don't know what they're up to. Of course, we so kickers from the Bears, the Giants twice, Bengals twice, Lions, Vikings, Washington, Jaguars, Browns, Patriots, Seahawks. That's about everybody. All misconversions. Or hit the upright or just made it look much harder than it oh, is. Oh, they got blocked. They got blocked. And uh, like, uh, there was a really good thing on one of the, the pregame shows. Randy Moss was in uh, dress shoes. And he had, a, he had yeah. a, a, an attempt at an extra point distance and nailed it. Yeah, It we, does make you wonder maybe they'll start recruiting for maybe the more foot-based um, sports. sports. Like mm. your football. I mean, of course, Josh Lambert was a former MLS yeah. uh, goalkeeper. Yeah. Maybe Absolutely. they'll look too well. Uh, and how have they not been doing that already? I mean, we're talking about a multi-billion-dollar mm. sport that is like the most specialised, intense sport on the planet. What's Davy B up to? <laughs> Davy B, surely he's bored, just pack. sitting about Beckingham Palace. So no. that's enough from kickers, though. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, they suck. I don't know why. We so from one k to another k, <laughs> Sorry to all our listeners, Kirk Cousins. 
Going to town on the Packers, D. Patrick Stack. Oh, what about this? Wasn't this just an astonishing game? The Packers are just lurching from crisis to crisis week to week. Are we officially ready to stick the fork in them and say they're done? I think they're done. I think Mike McCarthy should have been done a couple of weeks ago as well. Yep. And the really sad thing about this is uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't play that badly. No, he, no, he put nothing up wrong. 350 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, what more can he do? Really need to be backed up by a bit of defense and uh, copying the- 42 points from Washington. Yeah. They look quite legit, Washington, don't they? They certainly did. Kirk Starting to string together the wins. Kirk Cousins in the wind. Did you know they were talking about the wind? Did you enjoy every second minute? We got a wind reference. But Kirk Cousins, the deep ball was firing, hitting Jamison Crowder on a couple of beauties deep. Um, And and when you look at that defense for Green Bay, they're so ravaged, and we talked about it at the cornerback position. Um, It's streaming into the linebacker position as well. Their defense is just, it's there for the taking, and each week uh, it's a new team getting to make a run at it. At Dallas next week, the Skins. That's a that's Thursday night or Thursday night football in America. Friday in Australia. Thanksgiving triple header that we're going to get into later. So turkeys out. Oh, and in, in the words of Kirk Cousins, is that an ooh-wee? Well, no, that's not the words of Kirk Cousins anymore. We've got a new one. That well, hang on, that didn't even make a full word. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for oh, it? You know in it. the face of GM Scott McLuhan. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Would you like it one more time? Yes. How do you like me now? He is on the field. He's just won a, a very good game. Well done. Claps to you. But then he's yelling at the GM. Yeah. What who, is that who about? gave that him $19 million. <laughs> uh, how you like me now? Well, we, what is he suggesting? I don't he's know. He's million he wants to get a bit inadequate. more money. Okay. Yeah, but he, look, he's going to get, I think he's going to get a huge contract this yeah. offseason, probably from Washington. Uh, so... You know, Scott McLuhan... He took it pretty well, didn't he, being yelled at? Yeah, he's kind of like, yeah, I love that. Um, (laughs) But it's kind of thing, if you're going to get fired up and really get in the face of someone after a victory, make sure they're like on the same level as you. And we should point out too, uh, that Kirk Cousinsism, I'm going to dub it now, How You Like Me Now, um, thank you to at RK Music for uh, tweeting this to Hard Count Fox. There's a count on Twitter. Um, They've already got... Shirts. Oh, why do we not have them shirts. already? How you like me now? I'm going for twenty bucks a pop. Here's what I'll say. Wow, dangerous territory. Cousins does. Yeah, dangerous territory because Toby Keith has a song of the same title, <laughs> Notorious sure. Red Solo Cup Country Behemoth. Toby Keith. So you don't want to be getting into a TM trademark battle against M- one T Keith. There's like a million rap songs that have that same line. So. I think if the skins- and we will play all of them for you now. <laughs> if the skins make um, playoffs, I think we've got to make an agreement that we're all going to wear How You Like Me Now t-shirts and watch the game together and we will periscope it or Facebook Live it or something. I can't promise I won't you know deface it. That? Yeah. Adam Curley. <laughs> he would. He would. Curls. He would. A f- another former Fox Sports employee mm. carrying the flag for Washington fans in Australia. Anyway. Speaking of carrying the flag, the Seattle Seahawks oh. might be carrying the flag all the way to the NFC Championship game the way they're playing so far. <laughs> 26 to 15, pretty dominant performance over the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Russell Wilson, look, if you didn't believe that he's back to his mobile best, yeah. I can't, I can't do anything but point to the tape. Making improvisational plays on the run. Jimmy Graham's coming alive. Tyler Lockett's back healthy. Dougie Baldwin mm. getting in on the act. Not just as a receiver, Melanie. No, he found Russell Wilson in the end zone. They flipped the script. Yep, yep. we've got a little end around yeah. to Doug Baldwin, who yeah. then puts a foot in the ground, holds the phone, drops it in the bucket over the left corner sideline. 
for Russell Wilson, who snooks in and in the corner. Do you know what my favourite part of that was? Uh, in the huddle, he looks over at the offensive coordinator and just flips in the bird. Just goes, <laughs> are you kidding me? Am I? And then it happens. So I... He's just got to go with it. He's just hoping he makes it and he made the throw. And yep. all's, all's dandy. Question, are Philadelphia the new kingmakers? Like when Dallas beat them, <laughs> we were like, wow, Dallas are great. And now that Seattle have gone after rolling the Patriots into uh, rolling. No. Philly. I think Philly just need they need, need an offense. Like obviously they've got an okay quarterback, but the, just the targets. It's and so conservative course, that offense. They got a lot of the couple of injuries too. The like, coach yeah, as well is trying to build from an absolute shambles that was left from the chipster. Yeah, he is, and the their defense is really good up front. I think they've got some issues in the secondary that we saw Seattle take advantage of. But Seattle, if you watch that game, that was that. I can feel how hard this defense is hitting through the TV screen from 10,000 kilometers away type of performance. Cam Chancellor Cam back been sets huge the tone. Since he's been now, back. big injuries. I think um, Shed, the corner, and I think it's Earl Thomas both might be looking at a 10 day or so injury. Mm. Hammy Earl for Thomas Earl. So yeah. that's questions going forward, but there's no doubt that but Seattle have taken themselves into that class with Dallas in the NFC. What Speaking to, of. Sorry, which, go ahead. No, no, you Patty. go. I'm so polite Ladies here. First. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I was going to say just the Phillies run game. I mean, it's it's been a bit of a by committee sort of scenario too. And now it's going to be hurt a little bit more with Ryan Matthews, the knee injury, Darren Sproles, ribs. Mm. Like that, that's, you talk about Philly being a kingmaker. It's just more that they just don't have the answers to match a team like Seattle who have Doug Baldwin, who have um, Thomas Rawls and yeah. Jimmy Graham. Like, you know, they're hitting their straps at just the right time. Do we feel like Seattle's too. offensive line is now credible? Because huh. they were playing the role of matadors. I feel not that trusting in that. Yeah, obviously this was contentious when, you know, uh, Simmons and Chris Collinsworth <laughs> went at each other in the New, New England game saying Seattle only look good because New England are terrible at rushing the passer. Yeah. They can't say that for Philadelphia. They have a really good defensive uh, defensive line. They can get after the quarterback. And Seattle held up decently well. It helps when you've got an evasive quarterback yep. like Russell right. Wilson. But yeah. a really good performance, better than expected. Uh, I guess... When you look at the running game, though, for them, obviously CJ Process broke out in a big way over the past two weeks. He's got a scapula, scapula so that's a shoulder blade injury. <laughs> that hurts. He's looking Specific. like... Just sounds painful, yeah, doesn't no. it? Scapula. A scalpel going into the scapula. He, best case scenario, is first week of the playoffs. So Thomas Rawls, the bruiser who came back, he looked good. So that's who it's going to be rolling forward. While we're on running backs rolling... Your, your boy. The your boys. Boy. Dem boys. The Dallas Cowboys kept it rolling. Nine wins in a row. That's a franchise record. Uh, Troy Aikman and the triplets never did it. Neither <laughs> did Roger Staubach back in the day. Did Romo manage that ever? Romo never did. I think no. he got to six or seven wins. Yeah, right. uh, so, nine and one on the year. Hello, Denver. Hello, this one, Denver. <laughs> this one, Ezekiel Lelic gets himself 97 yards here uh, on the ground against the number one ranked run defense coming into this, the Baltimore Ravens. But I think it was more about Dak Prescott, 301 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, protecting the ball. Mm-hmm. And he got... One Des Bryant going with two touchdowns in the end zone. Des, he's been the uh, support cast this year, hasn't he? But he he, has. now he popped up when it was really on the line, and he was fantastic. I love Des. Well, Bryant. there was a bit of payback involved there because Terrence oh, West dear. went and mocked his throwing throw up, up the, the X. Oh. X marks the spot. You can't throw up the X in uh, not in, in Arlington. No, not at AT and T Stadium. And that was the only one. Uh, the, you know, the running back also gave the the. Ezekiel Elliott feed me oh, yes, cereal yes, eating yes, yes. Uh, yes. celebration feed, feed as well. The beast. Feed the beast. So I thought know. the uh, X's was a tribute to Andrew Beef O'Keefe for Deal or No Deal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, no Deal. I thought perhaps they were joining uh, the Heartbreak Kids, Shawn Michaels and Triple H and joining Degeneration X. I was looking forward to the music jumping out there. But alas, Dallas roll um, <laughs> in a week that 
was dominated by the Tony Romo emotional press conference. Who's a better quarterback right now, Dak Prescott or well, Russell Wilson? Who Russell would you Wilson. T- who would you take? Russell Wilson. But okay. here's my question. If Russell Wilson threw his cup at a bin and missed, would he pick it up like Dak did? Only if he knew that Instagram was watching. <laughs> Dak didn't know anybody was watching. Russell Wilson would do that it with like a white absurd. horse and Sierra in the background. That video has been retweeted a bazillion times. Everyone analyze, over-analyzing it going, this just shows you yeah. what kind of guy Dak is. When the cameras <laughs> aren't on. Yeah, exactly. The cameras were on. Yeah, yeah, well, the cameras were on. And hold on. He also missed the shot. He missed the it, shot. It's great to go and pick it up. I'm a notorious oh, paper. Romo would have made that. I, I think so too. <laughs> Romo would have slotted that straight. I think he would have evaded JJ Watt and then and then hit that on the money. But yeah, way the over the top. Okay. But a, a good performance from Dallas. Yeah. Um, and they roll on like we said. Big Thanksgiving matchup that we'll get to. Mm. But uh, again, they come up against a number one ranked run defense and they they wear you down. They're so physical. I think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. Hot take. Hot take. Yep, they're going to win it. Yep, they're great. I really like them. <laughs> you like them? Yeah, I like them a Most lot. Most people don't like the Cowboys, but yeah, are they likable now? They're playing, I don't know, they're playing, they've got all these young kids and they're yeah. exciting. Mm. I, yeah, know, I just it's like the it. the freshness of, you know, the team, I think, yeah. is inspired I know I meant to hate them. for lots of people. Yeah. Before we I move, what did you guys think of the Romo, it was a few days ago now, but right well, after presser, we started? Yeah. Did you find that a bit emotional? Very. Yeah. Very. Uh, tears yeah, there were to be held back. There were actually too many tears on the keyboard for you to actually do that video when it happened. Lawrence actually broke the keyboard. He broke the keyboard. The oh. avid keyboard. Done. Yeah. I may have been seen <laughs> wistfully walking about the streets of St. Leonard's just looking up the skies and not knowing what was next. But yeah, an emotional one. But I think good job from uh, the coach to keep the team focused and good prove... Good job from Romo. Yeah, I... Was it Charles Woodson who was call, who called him out, saying that it was a selfish move, making that video all about him? Yeah, Woodson had some things to say. Uh, our former Ravens, you know, great guy off the field, uh, Ray Lewis. Oh, he, had a, he ripped into Joe Flacco. He also it's ripped into rich, Romo about it as well, oh, saying it was, okay. uh, again, it was all about him. Look, he went after Flacco, though, too. He went yeah. after, yeah, his former Didn't teammate. Flacco, like, win him a Super Bowl? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what's the Super Bowl, though, Pat? Anyone can be quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, Ray had preferred that uh, he gave Flacco the Super Bowl. But no, Flacco certainly played well in that Super Bowl run. Yeah, saying that the passion wasn't there. So Ray Lewis enjoying his couch potato and status and firing. After the, after the game, he, he went on his uh, on his Twitter and he recorded a video saying, you got a man up, man to man, woman to woman. I was wrong. Like mm. he, he Ray sort Lewis. Of, yeah, he sort go. of ate his words. Sounds but, um, a little close to the lyrics from his failed rap release of yeah, 2015. That was interesting. I encourage no one to go no. listen to that. <laughs> uh, but there was another um, interesting one today. Uh, sorry, this week. In week 11 of football, we had the Dolphins um, pulling it out of the hat against LA. They were terrible. In Jared Goff's debut start. How was Jared Goff? I didn't see much of this game. Was he, you know, was it, did he put in the sort of performance that explained why he has been left out of the team for the last 11 weeks? 34 yards, weeks? no touchdown throws, no interceptions. Yeah. It was very, <laughs> it was very wet and windy there though. It wasn't pretty weather for you. In your, LA? Yeah, it was well. It was raining in San Fran as well, of okay. course, against the yeah. Patriots. It was a tough one to come into, and he copped a few big hits too. He's Look, used to I, playing I behind a poor offensive line from uh, from his days at Cal. Yeah, not a lot to take away from uh, the gross total quarterback performance. Mm. It started well with a few nice passes, and then Tom, Todd Gurley breaking one off and getting to the end zone. It's nice to see. Only his fourth touchdown. Is it? Yeah. How is crazy it pretty is that? rare for a QB to throw for 172 yards and win a game? With Ryan Tannehill. That's the Tannehill that style. Like quite low. That's the, that's the Tannehill experience. Right. Yeah. This one was Tannehill and the Dolphins finally getting going late and and a big drive featuring Devontae Parker uh, ending in a touchdown with you know 30-odd seconds to go and sealing it, leaving Jared Goff 
but I mean, uh, not much time to get it done. Both of those, this is a two touchdown. Like they've scored two touchdowns, converted each of them. That won them won them the game. They scored both of them in the final six minutes of the yeah. game. So this wasn't exactly. I think um, Adam Gase, the coach, was even saying, "I don't know how we did that." Yeah, <laughs> because now five straight for the it's Dolphins. five straight for the Dolphins. They're which on a run. San Fran next good. week. So that's six. Look yeah. to gamble on whoever they're <laughs> playing the in. week after that because they are imposters. Oh, it's, it's the latest imposter call from Pat Stack. He loves throwing one around. So they are. I've been yeah. calling them imposters for about five J-J, weeks. JJ, not getting you going? Yeah, he, I like him. He's good. But again, but injuries on the offensive line limiting Waterjag. He's still getting up some productive numbers. But yeah, it's, it's five in a row and they're doing it quietly. Uh, mm. You wouldn't know from... Uh, Dolphins Twitter, who get after us every single day uh, to get more Dolphins on the podcast. So there you go. He got you into the headlines. Now, that goes from the, the headlines, which which caps up an interesting week. I will say, though. You also, will. Nice to see Snoop Dogg on the sidelines in L.A. <laughs> the L.A. Snoop. boy. Having a little jig, having a little dance. He will get... Of course, really popular these days again with his cooking show with Martha Stewart. Check that one out. There's a hot tip. The evolution of Snoop is a long (laughs) and winding road. Is Snoop lying these days? No, he's back to dog. Okay. D-O-double-G. Speaking of D-O-double-G-S, dogs, these are some teams that, you know, are in the doghouse. They've left us... They've left us feeling confused, wistful, and generally... I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Now, we threw out a poll this week onto the Twitter sphere. Thank you for getting involved at Hard Count Fox. Mm. It's like 10,000 votes. It's just many <laughs> totally. more expected. We asked which struggling team suffered the most disappointment in defeat. Hillary yep. Clinton. <laughs> uh, the Packers got the main chunk of the vote at 47%, but we've talked about them. Yep. The Cardinals got 26%, the Bengals 16%, and the Bears 11 Two teams stand out here, the Cards and the Bengals. Yep. They were considered contenders going into this. It's the season. Yeah. Uh, one of our trio may have picked a Cards vs. Bengals Super Bowl, in it fact. Was you. That, you? that was me. So, can they turn anything around this disappointing season? Neither of them are in. The Cardinals are slipping further and further back, but the Bengals aren't actually that far back in their terrible, terrible AFC North division. Do they have a chance? What do we see? Mm, is I've, it complete and utter despair? I haven't seen a ton of the Bengals, but I would say in a word with the Cardinals, no. And in a lot of words, I'd say it like this. Carson Palmer is getting absolutely munched due to his offensive line. And he doesn't seem to... Um, like, I am a, an old man, so I know what it's like when you lose your lateral movement. And <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Carson Palmer go through the same thing that I went through about four years ago. And he's, he's also just struggling to find his targets. Yeah. That was an unusual thing that, that we've spotted this year, as opposed to last season, where they were getting on a great roll. He kept finding Larry. It's one thing to have, you know, that stoic pocket passer who can deliver deep balls, but if he doesn't have a platform to throw from... That serious issues. What about with the Bengals? So beaten by the Bills and the big beaver Rex Ryan <laughs> claims another scalp. Geo Bernard, pass catching running back. He's done with an ACL tear. Yeah, it's big. So Jeremy Hill, next man up. Well, yeah, well, it looks like he'll already a man up, I guess. But it gets a bigger workload perhaps that's, for that's Jay right, Hill. Yeah. And then AJ Green, hamstring Manny. tear that originally was feared as a season done. It never looks good when you're getting carted off. But that's it sounds like it could be around the three week mark, back in time for the fantasy playoffs and the run home. What's going on here? Is it time for a regime change in the Marvin Lewis-led Bengals yes. world? Yes. You're done. I've, they never got over the hump. I've They're done. I've been sort of, you know, kind of thinking that for a little while. Okay. But, but they haven't had those all-out crap seasons to yeah. really warrant a massive clean-up. But maybe, maybe they, they need that to go to that next level. I don't they're, know. They're a consistent playoff appearer. They yeah. normally disappear in the first but game that they below, play. Just below where you know that they can get. And they've had good rosters with depth. I think injuries have played a part this year. And also, they're a team that 
But doesn't injuries like play to, a part every year. They certainly do. Is there hope that, do you think the Bengals can capture something and, and make a run at this bad AFC North? Or is it just, it's time to pack it in. If you're a Bengals fan, don't get your hopes too high. <laughs> we know Riley Beveridge, uh, one of our Melbourne uh, Fox Sports brethren. Yeah, uh, guy. Yeah, he, reporting for that. he pitched us the Riley Beveridge depression hour uh, for this week <laughs> of Hard Count. Uh, I said maybe we'll get him a minute. What is that, Adele music? That's a... <laughs> Bengals highlights or something. I love it. Hello. <laughs> um, the Bengals seem awful. I like Mel's idea. I think you sacked the coach. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Lewis. Yeah. The well, there's also an attitude Starvin issue, Marvin. and that that's where the, where you point to the coach. Like okay. Monte's perfect. Um, flipping the finger to the, his home crowd. That yeah, is punchy. It's. I mean, but he's the sort of guy who got in a lot of trouble. You know, attacking players in a very dangerous manner. Got him a hefty suspension last season. And, uh, you know, so there's some attitude problems there. And, yeah, that's the sort of stuff that you need your coach to get in line. And if not, they shouldn't be a part of your organization, frankly. So that's who's got us disappointed and, you know, perhaps lamenting a season lost and hopes lost. Maybe Super Bowl window's closing. Now, window's just opening to some players that are feeling, making us feel proud and representing Australia Straya. well. Australia. We Australia. <laughs> Let's get around them. <laughs> We've got Bill Laurie in the uh, in the pod booth. I interviewed Bill Laurie the other day. He's a lovely chap. Uh, he had a lot of interesting things to say that that were he, like he had a lot of opinions. Not all of them matched up, but they were <laughs> they were like he, I, I loved he, how passionate he was, and a, every a lot of what he said made a lot of real sense in terms of where Australian cricket is at right now. Well, we'd love to get his Super Bowl picks at some stage. As for the Aussies <laughs> in the NFL, New York Giants punter Brad Wing, six punts for 42.5 net average, two down inside the 20 and social media going on fire as he showed off pictures of his braces. Mm. Insert Ben Stiller, uh, <laughs> something about Mary shots. And then Pittsburgh's Jordan Berry, three punts. Nice to see that low as the Pittsburgh Steelers take care of business. Uh, the longest of the day for him, 57 yards. Yep, and Adam Gotsis and Lachlan Edwards, of course, on a bye this week. But there was some other good news in college football, Laurie. Uh, we had the Ray Guy Award finalists announced. Three guys. All Australians. All Australians. Yes. We are absolutely killing it. Yeah. yeah, Cameron Johnson from Ohio State, Michael Dixon from Texas, Dickie Dixon, <laughs> and Mitch Wishnowski from Utah, continuing the Australian trend yeah. in Salt Lake City. Well, we won it last three years. So that's so four happening this year. Four a, guaranteed. A big congrats to the Pro Kick guys down in Melbourne running an amazing program down there. Uh, Nathan Chapman at the helm there, and as well as the Conquest guys doing the strength and conditioning. Now, those are the Aussies that are making waves through college, but we've also got the Australians making wave coming from the NRL, the yes. latest. Jason Tamalolo and Valentine Holmes Mel. Yes, they have uh, said, well, the story leaked this week that they are headed to the US to do a big trial, they're calling it. They're working out for some teams. A bunch of people from many clubs are going to be checking them out, seeing if they have the skills to potentially be in the NFL. So we've managed to speak to some very interesting people to get uh, their hot takes, like their actual hot takes. You know, we say we have hot takes. These guys have legit hot takes. Piping. Yeah, the first one we are joined with is Dan Hatman. Director of Scouting Development at the Scouting Academy, a former pro scout who worked with the Eagles, Giants, and Jets. He's got a ring on there from his interning with one of those stints. That's cred. So, Dan, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, we've got this story breaking that Jason Talmalolo from the North Queensland Cowboys and the Cronulla Sharks back. Valentine Holmes are going to go over to the States and do a trial in LA against what's been mixed reportedly as a handful of clubs, maybe sending scouts along. Uh, we've sent you over some vision. I guess the first question that I ask you is, when you do hear about athletes from other sports trying their hand at American football, 
Is your first reaction closer to that's an impressive pursuit or this is foolhardy and they're wasting their time? No, I'm going to fall in the first camp. Um, obviously, someone pursuing uh, the next athletic achievement, you know, if that's something that they are passionate about and, and want to pursue, I certainly would endorse the pursuit of it. You know, this is an opportunity to showcase their athletic skills in front of a new audience and, and see if they're transferable. Yeah, well, these guys, they're, as you mentioned, they're, they are you know, very good athletes in, in, uh, in rugby league. Um, for those who don't know the NFL well, they can't quite understand why the transition is so hard. Can you sort of explain what that comes down to and specialization of that role? Inside of the game of rugby, I mean, there's still uh, play design, there's still coaching, there is still uh, vision and instinctual movement. Uh, coming from a, a limited background of playing club rugby in college as well. So uh, there's certainly elements of it that are, are transferable. The biggest difficulty is depending on the position you would like to transfer someone to, the position-specific uh, assignments are not reminiscent of each other in all situations. So when you see a guy like Jason break a first tackle and all of a sudden he's you know, in the pitch by himself, it's a lot of fun to watch him move in those ways and uh, knock down smaller people and outrun others and the athletic gifts start to shine. But unfortunately, those kind of open field opportunities at a position like running back, for example, only happen after you've executed on the first level, which means you need to follow blocking patterns. Now all of a sudden you have seven or eight people Moving in front of you, you have to understand all of what they're doing from just your own offense. And those decisions get refined over time. You get more confident in your ability to make them. And that's what allows you to play fast. Dan, we've sent you some vision through of Jason. You've had an opportunity to have a look at some of his work. He was named the best player in the rugby league um, competition here in Australia. From the limited opportunity of what you've seen from him, do you see the raw materials there to make it in the NFL? And what sort of position would he be suited to? He actually um, intrigued me a little bit from a defender's body type and movement pattern. You know, when you look at someone who may be in the area of six foot three and somewhere in the 250, 260 range, this is a similar body type to a Von Miller from just a height and weight perspective. And I start looking at the, the linebacker position, particularly um, an edge, end-of-line type player. You get to play on the line of scrimmage, immediately start using your physicality, which clearly he displays when it's time to pass rush. He could use those, those bursts um, of explosive movements and attack things moving forward. I think there may be a quicker opportunity for him to translate there than moving to tight end where all of the gap and zone blocking scheme movements as well as the route running elements and then the ultimately the catching of the hand are not things that you get to see all of on the tape per se. We saw Jared Hayne of course um, made a big transition to go over. It frustrated him how little time he had to hold the ball to make some plays to do that sort of thing and he was in a position where he was punt returning and doing running back duties. How difficult would it be do you think in then getting guys like uh, Jason on board in a defensive role where they're really not touching the ball, something which they've got to be very much used to in rugby league. If you know another team was to project them kind of like I saw off the film and, and think that uh, he might be more transferable there, yeah, you'd have to sit down with them 
mm-hmm. and make sure he'd be okay with that kind of transition and understand that in that role we're not going to ask him to hold the ball in the same way. We're going to ask him to disrupt the way an offense would move. So the way you're talking about it down here, it sounds like this isn't as inconceivable as we perhaps thought. I know that Mel and Laurie and myself, we all sort of spoke off off air and we thought, well, these guys, it seems like an extremely long shot that they're going to have any real scope to play in the NFL. But from what you're saying, it it sounds like it isn't inconceivable and that this could be a a real possibility. Really the question is, does someone like Jason or Valentine have superior athletic gifts or superior mental gifts to some of the undrafted free agents that you'd be bringing in. But the, the opportunity to get developed, we talk about it for those coming out of you know, college football over here, and these players have spent 10-plus you know, years playing this game, and, and we still complain about the lack of development time for those individuals to then become productive NFL players because there's not time necessarily to transfer all of the elements from the college game or the program that they may not be taught. So that's where the struggle really is for a team. Is You're not going to put a lot of eggs in that basket, but again, if you work them out and they are a superior performer, superior athlete, superior mentally, some variation therein to players you expect to have access to, then it's worthwhile to add them to your 90-man roster, bring them to camp and see what happens. Uh, so no, it's not inconceivable, but you know I don't think anybody's going to be putting uh, huge odds on it, so to speak. Now, Dan, the sort of interesting thing for me is uh, after Jared Hayne made that big announcement, um, it's obviously inspired um, a couple of players to follow his follow his uh, the same path, and and their agents are seeking out NFL teams that will give them a, a workout. Do you think after that that perhaps? NFL teams might take a closer look at rugby league and uh, our national competition and maybe start coming the other way, start looking for our players as opposed to us looking for you guys. Yeah, I, I think the the story that kind of re- reminds me of this whole thing is, is Jimmy Graham uh, University in Miami moving from basketball to football in a limited capacity. Um, he didn't have a, a ton of film doing the full spectrum of tight end skill set in college and still drafted in the third round because, again, his his frame, his athletic ability, and the belief that you could take that and work with it, that guy goes off and and has that level of success. So, yeah, I take that story and I come over here and go, okay, so you have a San Francisco acquires a world-class athlete that was kind of unexpected and ends up being able to produce on the field on Sunday yeah, uh, every other team, because it's a very reactionary league, you can start going, okay, let's at least have our pro department explore it. We'll make some calls, try to watch some film, and see if anybody uh, works it for us. Well, thank you so much for your insight in joining us and helping provide a U.S. scout's eyes on, uh, on what's got a lot of people talking in Australia. If you want to catch any of Dan Hatman's work, you can find him on Twitter at Dan underscore Hatman. You've got the Scouting Academy, of course, which I would encourage anyone who is deep diving into the NFL and getting involved to go and check out. Dan, thank you again so much for joining us. Oh, again, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, if that wasn't enough for you, Dan Hatman in the books. Next up, we've got Matt Waldman, who is one of the great draft scouting minds, the writer of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, the best offensive draft guide out there. You can find him at mattwaldmanrsp.com, at thefootballguys.com. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. 
So we've got this unique story bubbling up. Uh, we sent over some vision of both Jason Taumalolo and uh, Valentine Holmes. I guess off the bat with Jason, with his size at you know six foot three, around the 250, 260 pound mark, what jumps out at you in terms of skill set or, or even perhaps position? Yeah, I mean, I think that from what you were talking about is that obviously that he's being looked at as either a running back, fullback, or tight end um, at, at the NFL level. And it's, they're looking at him from that standpoint. I mean, the one thing that you really like to see um, from him as an athlete is that he has really nice burst. Um, so he accelerates very well. You can see that he's very comfortable um, running, a, running with a ball and being able to be physical um, at the point of attack when colliding with somebody else. Um, so, you know, those are, those are real positives, obviously, with, with the game that he plays. That's not a problem whatsoever. I think the, the, the questions that you're going to have as someone who's, who's evaluating talent for the NFL is how comfortable he's going to be at developing the, the techniques to become a good blocker, the, you know, that are more about leverage um, and using leverage in a different way than what um, you would see maybe in some of those highlights or in how how the particular game that he plays now, how that may translate to the NFL game, um, as well as how, you know, the various ways that he may catch a ball um, that differ in that NFL game if, if he were going to be used in a receiving game. And then if he was going to be used as a running back, um, then it comes to how comfortable and how fast will he be at picking up the various blocking schemes that, that accompany the, the NFL game um, as a running back, because a lot of that comes to developing patience, and also um, understanding really where defenses are going to be and what he needs to do. Because it seems like, you know, from what I'm watching, I'm watching a player with a lot of open field running. And that transition to playing in a tighter box of, of 21 other individuals around you at any given time, um, and probably somewhere between 10 to 15 of them in a, in a tight proximity to you, that becomes a more difficult scenario and one that requires a little bit more conceptual awareness and experience. Um, so the athletically, obviously, it's all there for him. I think the bigger question is how fast he can make a transition to where things become second nature in a new game. I guess when we look then to Valentine Holmes, who's perhaps doesn't stand out as much as the physicality and the power and the explosiveness of Jason Tamalolo. We're talking about a guy that's 6'1", around the 195, maybe 200-pound mark. Or would he be better served out at maybe wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, I would think it just depends, again, on that comfort that comfort with physicality because, you know, the one thing with Jason Tamalolo that I, that I noticed is that he's very upright when he makes contact. And it seems like, at least in the highlights of those games that I saw, I, I don't purport to understand rugby in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> um, though I admire the game. Whereas I think with someone like... Valentine, I think what you're seeing there is a, someone who I think already inherently understands that he's not going to bowl through people um, on that in that fashion from an upright standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I think he may even have find more of a natural feel for being able to get his get under um, hits, and you can definitely see that he has excellent burst and speed, you know, in that open field. I think the bigger question again is, you know, can he track a ball in a way that that um, arrives differently than the way that rugby passes arrive. You know, the, the big thing for me with both of these individuals is athletically, they obviously have more than enough athletic ability to be very good pro football players. The athletic ability is not with, uh, not with any question whatsoever. I think the bigger question is, again, 
being able to translate that athletic ability into technique and understanding of the game and to be able to do things at a highly technical level without thinking about it and it being second nature because that's something that even the best athletes in the college level, a lot of them don't make it in the NFL because even though they've been playing football for a while, they still don't understand the game at the highest level that makes them successful. So I think that that's the big thing is when they work these guys out, are they going to show facility for learning quickly and and are they going to be able to learn at a rate that far exceeds um, even the average prospects that they see in the States? And that's sort of the next question I wanted to ask you about whether this challenge is sort of insurmountable because Australian media, they hear, they read the headline or um, a story from the rugby clubs here in Australia saying these players are going to go try out for NFL scouts in Los Angeles. And automatically they think, wow, you know, good performance in front of these scouts. These two guys could be running around in the NFL next season, you know. But I think we probably have a bit of a better appreciation that it's a much longer road than that. And I just wanted to ask you, in terms of going to these trials in LA, how long is the road and how difficult is the challenge to pick up those sort of, I guess, that knowledge and technique that you're t- talking about? Is it is it even achievable or is it just sort of inconceivable? It is achievable, but it's, but it's a very difficult situation because when you're looking at the NFL, it's not an organized system where you have farm teams, you know, or a minor league or um, a developmental league, because the NFL at this stage really doesn't spend a lot of time on developmental work. It's more about, can you play now? Can you help now? Um, and unless you are just a major athletic talent that goes well and above and beyond any other athletic talents that they have that they feel like if we can teach them just a little bit, they'll be dominant on a football field they're not going to spend a lot of developmental time with people. They just don't, they don't have the resources or time to do that. Do you think that these two could potentially fit into that extremely rare scenario? I, I really, to be honest with you, it's hard to say because from what I've watched, I mean, I certainly think that they fit into the scenario that they have the NFL athletic ability, but do they have the dominant athletic ability? I think that's a big question mark. But obviously, you know, Jason looks very strong. He obviously has great quickness. I could imagine him playing the tight end position in the NFL as far as from a physical standpoint. What I don't know is whether or not um, he's gonna, he would be able to make the translation. Because certainly we look at even some of the professional wrestlers and UFC fighters who tried out for the NFL, like Brock Lesnar, who played a little bit of football um, in his life and is an extraordinary athlete, but couldn't make it. Yeah, well, Brock Lesnar, you mentioned him. Good thing for him. He's landed on his feet. We think he'll do just fine in yeah, the right. end. <laughs> he's, uh, he's been cut, but, you know, who cares? He's, he's done all right. But um, talking about transitions, got guys who maybe move from positions like your Julian Edelmans who go from quarterback to wide receiver. You've got wide receivers that turn into safeties. Or you've got uh, basketballers that, that turn into footballers. And then you've got rugby league players. What are some of the biggest challenges in transition, is it little things like getting a feel for the, for a different ball, having good hands? Is it the helmet and the pads? But what are the, some of the big transition issues? Sure, it's a great question, and I think that one broad way of looking at it is it's kind of like trying to learn a new language, mm-hmm. um, and and so there are all these small details that if you look at them, take them on individually, 
um, you can learn them. You know, if we're learning Spanish, you, you may remember the word baño for bathroom. You may remember, <laughs> you know, the, the verb that you need to use to be able to ask for where it is. And you may be able to conjugate all forms of the verb in a classroom. But then when you're actually somewhere where no one speaks English and you have the urge to use the bathroom and you are in an environment where you have to use that question, are you going to remember how to ask it? And moreover, are you going to be able to listen and hear and recognize the words well enough to know what directions you're being given? (laughs) Um, And I think that that's the same thing, challenges that these guys are going to face is, you know, if they're playing wide receiver, what position should they use their hands based on where the ball is arriving? What kind of footwork do they have to be aware of or, or hand or arm work they have to be aware of? What is the defense trying to do as a whole and how you need to be connected with what the quarterback is trying to do to make an adjustment before the ball is snapped? So for me, that's the biggest challenge for them is just absorbing all of this information and then being able to not only speak the language, but be also be able to show their athletic personalities that make them so good at what they do right now. I think we couldn't have hoped for you to paint a better picture of <laughs> what goes into this transition, especially at these skill positions that you excel at breaking down for us. While we are talking about painting the picture, though, it's a pretty painful one for some Australian fans out there. We've got plenty of Bears fans, 49ers fans. I think there's some Cleveland Browns fans out there. Is there anyone looking ahead at the 2017 draft? Is there a quarterback or perhaps a wide receiver or even a running back that maybe can provide a little light maybe a little excitement for these teams as they uh, watch the playoff picture evolve without their beloved teams involved? Oh, absolutely. The, you know, this is an interesting class as a whole for a lot of positions, but I mean, I think to start with, players like Deshaun Watson of Clemson um, is likely to come out, and he is a dynamic athlete who is, um, you know, throws the ball very well, and he's likely to go in the first round. Um, a player by the name of Luke Falk at Washington State, I've heard some really wonderful things about, and uh, he's kind of an under-the-radar type of player. The running back position, though, is probably one of the richest positions in the draft this year, based on, I think, if the juniors decide to declare. And some of those juniors would include Leonard Fournette out of LSU, who is a very powerful runner with great speed. I think that he's a great fit for a team that runs more of a power-running game where he has really one choice to make and just hit that crease as hard as possible. Dalvin Cook out of Florida State is a scat back who has great speed, great change of direction, and great vision. Um, I'd also add Nick Chubb to that list, who to me is probably the best back in this class. And then wide receiver, near or at the top of the list is a gentleman by the name of Corey Davis out of Western Michigan. He is a he, He's got good speed. He has excellent ability to adjust to the football. He understands how to run routes, how to adjust, and he's probably one of my favorites in this draft class at this point. Um, other guys that people seem to be interested in are Mike Williams out of Clemson and Juju Smith-Schuster out of USC. So for Bears and Browns fans, I mean, certainly <laughs> it's nice to know that we have some Browns fans in Australia. That's a, that's, that, that's a good thing so that... Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to know that. We want to thank you again so much for taking the time to help break down this uh, this story for us and, and just what lies ahead for, for Jason and, and Valentine Holmes as they attempt to make this journey. I definitely appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure to do, and, and I wish them both the best of luck. I hope that it works out just how they want it to. Yeah, so pretty interesting stuff there, guys, talking to Matty Waldman and Dan Hatman. 
they were both very, I thought, complimentary and polite in their sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess analysis that these guys are both supremely talented athletes. But sounds like I thought I really liked the. Um, I guess the comparison of talking about what they'll have to learn is in kind of like picking up a new language. Yes. Yeah. thought that was very clever. Asking, find where the bathroom is, can be troublesome. I know well, it, got me in, uh, it got me into trouble in uh, Mexico City. Uh, <laughs> last thing you want to do in a city of 27,000 million. What'd you end up, what, what ended up Did happening? you find a toilet? I uh, made my way into a uh, women's clothing booth. It was great. And you just soiled a women's clothing booth? <laughs> no, I tried some things on. Okay. Anyway, speaking of men and clothing and women, that gets us perfectly yes. to oh Mel's Catchy Kelsey Moment of the Week. Yes. Concerns uh, about him, though, having his tight ends position stolen by Jason Tomalolo. But <laughs> in the meantime, he's got plenty of women to cheer He from. is uh, sweating on that one. No, we are up to the final two episodes of this great dating show. Travis Kelsey tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, each girl from each state of America vying for his love. They've narrowed down the, the lot of girls to a small amount. And now... What are we at now? This like week... 12 or 14 No, or no, no. We think we're down to about six. So Jesus, it's, it's half a dozen. Real. Yep. Um, but there was some controversy because Travis let Veronica stay the night. Yeah. And uh, everyone, all the girls lost their... They lost their mind about that doesn't necessarily that. mean good things for Veronica. I was <laughs> no, not necessarily. Uh, it was interesting, but the big moment, uh, the best moment, was after an art challenge. It turned into a, a big old paint fight. Um, and Travis, he's just having way too much fun, loving the cleanup process, hosing down the girls. I'll tell you what, I dream big. When I tell you um, spraying a bunch of girls in white t-shirts with water has been a dream of mine for a while now came true. <laughs> Great malicious. Wow. He's just a walking quote machine. Yeah, we thought Gronkowski was channeling a 13-year-old boy earlier in his uh, season making 69 jokes. Uh, Kelsey. Is it creepy if they're clearly enjoying it, the young ladies? I think it's still probably <laughs> creepy. I think it's a world that we do not know. That brings look. That brings me to plug uh, an upcoming article that you'll find on foxsports.com.au. 17 fearless predictions for 2017. And one of them that I've already got written down is... is you? The, yeah. Shouldn't you have done 2017 fearless predictions? Did I not say that? No, you said 17. No, you said 17. Come on, Mel. What did Push I say? yourself. You 17. said 17. We want 2017. 2000 You're 2,000 short. No, 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 no. Stop no. pumping out content. No, you can't do two. That's ridiculous. Well, that's, that's what, you know, silly. it's year 2017. No one reads that article. You okay. Gotta, well, no one reads best. this article probably either, but I'm going to plug I it anyway. Read it. That does bring me to that 17 fearless predictions for 2017, where I've already tipped Gronkowski to be this, the next dating show. Could you imagine him on a dating yep. show? It'd be perfect. I could imagine your DVR getting absolutely chock-a-block filled with it, and the post. <laughs> you know they do the post shows now as well, breaking down episode three. Yeah, yeah, like right. the talking, talking dead. dead. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. honking at Gronk. Um, <laughs> so those are projections, predictions, mm. pontifications, which... Leads us into the headlines, Leads Laurie. us into the headlines. A special, <laughs> a really hard cut there. I like, like that. Hard cut. Bang out. Hard special cut one. For the hard count. Exactly because it is Thanksgiving week, so we get three games this Friday to salivate on. So mm. predictions for Thanksgiving Day: the slate is Vikings at Lions, Washington at the Dallas Cowboys, the Steelers at the Colts. Who wants to take us away with their bold prediction first? Stackman? Uh, yeah, I actually had a different kind of Thanksgiving that isn't related to any of those three games. Is that all right? Perfect. It is the Cleveland Browns giving thanks for their first win of the season. Hey, Bad good. luck to the New York it's Giants. You are going to get rolled. Wow, I love that. Eli Manning having a nasty stinker late at the death. 
throwing a pick six to lose the game. Melanie Danyashki, shall we come wrap around back to you or are you ready to fire? I'm ready to fire and you're not going to like it, Uh-oh. okay? I think uh, the Redskins will be giving it to... <laughs> that's not a good pun. Oh. Uh, the <laughs> they're pummeling Dallas, that's what you've got? They're giving them a spanking on Thanksgiving. There we go. I... And they're going to thank them for it. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I'm going to say that <laughs> with Andrew Luck <laughs> under the concussion protocol, mm. facing a very short turnaround to be ready to play at the Steelers, we get the Thanksgiving miracle of all Thanksgiving miracles and Peyton Manning is signed to a three-day contract to come back and lead the Colts to victory over the Steelers under the bright lights. That's a scolding hot take. Yes. absurd. His neck is healed. He's had six more fusion (laughs) surgeries. He's ready to go. We are ready to go and get out of here. How nervous are you about Washington, Dallas? Uh, Divisional games, always tight. Always tight. Mm. And Kirk Cousins' deep ball looks good Mm. and Dallas is ailing in the secondary big time and that's not getting better for another couple of weeks. I, that's my pick of those those top three games, I reckon, easily. Yeah, yeah, I think with luck in trouble to make that game, I think it stands out. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Matt Stafford will, I'm sure, lead a seventh fourth quarter comeback to get uh, <laughs> the Lions their seventh win of the season. Now, time to get out of here and go. Before we do, throw to the social media channels. Get us at Hard Count Fox, at Melanie Danyashki, at Pat Stack Fox, at Laurie Horash, and of course, head to foxsports.com.au for the latest NFL news. All sorts of previews. We've got draft star stuff. Catch the Fox Fantasy Daily column and podcast. It's chock-a-block there. Until then, Mel, ooh, what do you got to say to the fans? Give them something. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. And make sure you catch Mel's <laughs> 17 in 17 article on foxsports.com.au. It's going to be an absolute Because it's belter. Thanksgiving. You get it? I do. We all get okay. it. Yeah. We got it. We're done. Bye.